You're listening to the Brooke Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith, faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I'm your host, Brooke Snow. You have season two, episode 48, living in the world of social media and comparison. Welcome to season two of the Brooke Snow Podcast. This season is breaking from tradition in a very exciting way. After some lovely negotiation, I received permission from my publisher to publish the audio of my book, Living in Your True Identity, Discover, Embrace, and Develop Your Own Divine Nature as podcast episodes. Right now, this is a tentative experiment and these episodes may not always be here. So I encourage you to listen while you can. My book is some of my best work. And while I do love my regular podcasts, they are more of a random selection of topics. The book, however, moves progressively, continually building upon a theme and leading you through a process. Each week, I will release the next chapter. If you like what you hear, please consider purchasing the book for yourself or someone you know who would really benefit from this message. You can pick up a hard copy or Kindle version on Amazon, and I'll provide the link for you to do that in the show notes of this episode. Today, you have chapter eight, living in the world of social media and comparison. Chapter eight, living in the world of social media and comparison. It's a love hate relationship. I don't think I know anyone who doesn't love and hate social media at the same time. Why is this? We love the connection, yet we hate how it makes us feel. How do we live in the world of social media and comparison and manage to hold the false identity at bay? As I write this chapter, I have just completed an experiment. A few months ago, one of my favorite authors asked for volunteers to participate in a month-long study for his upcoming book on the topic of digital minimalism. For 31 days, participants were asked to abstain from social media and any other optional web use. The timing coincided perfectly with writing my manuscript. And the idea of nurturing my focus and creativity in such an extreme way was compelling. Optional was a tempting word that I could have used to redefine his limited instructions. Wasn't it fundamental that I continue growing my online following for my business? I couldn't just disappear for a month, could I? That was not optional. What if people forgot about me? What if I missed out on something important? How was I supposed to stay connected to my family or friends? Yet, the extremity of the study is what attracted me to it. I threw caution to the wind and went all in. I chose to access my email once a day and to only allow my routine online shopping purchases for groceries and necessities. Otherwise, everything else was classified as optional, and therefore, I opted out. To begin, I deleted all the social media apps from my phone, as well as any other app that could be a default time waster for me. This included my email app, the Amazon shopping cart app, and any other app that made browsing on my phone an easy pastime. The first few days were surprisingly hard. My addictive habits were revealed in striking clarity. Moments of waiting in line, moments between activities, moments of boredom, moments I ached to check in on my favorite people, 
moments I wanted an escape, moments I just wanted to look something up, moments I just needed some diversion. I'd reach for my phone and then remember that everything was gone. I wasn't going to be able to fulfill that craving right now or later. As time wore on, the detox symptoms wore off and I began to forget about my phone. My behavior adapted to my new circumstances. Just as I hoped, my focus and creativity skyrocketed. I'd sit for a writing session and 60 to 90 minutes would pass before I'd look at the clock. Without the conditioning of checking my phone every 15 minutes throughout the day, the impulse had disappeared and I could actually get some good work done. I found myself interacting more intentionally with my kids and by and large, my life felt far less rushed and distracted. My mind had space to think. Ideas would surface in quiet moments of driving or doing homework. I went to bed with a clear and quiet mind, spending my evenings reading a book rather than watching Netflix. I even resurrected some neglected hobbies like playing the piano and sewing. Creativity and focus were high on my hoped for list of results. I expected those traits to blossom. What I didn't expect were all the other benefits I discovered. First, I spent far less money during this experiment simply from not being exposed to Instagram and blogs. It's harder to realize you're being sold to when the messaging is delivered from real people you admire and follow. Commercials, sidebar ads, and pop-ups were so much easier to recognize as advertising and to push aside. When my favorite influencer posted about the latest item she received that changed her life, you can guarantee I would click on it and seriously deliberate on whether I wanted my life to magically change too. <laughs> Second, my confidence increased. Without the daily exposure to an environment that seduced to comparison, I found myself far more content and satisfied with my own life. I have long advocated for curating social media feeds to only follow inspiring people and to unfollow anyone that triggers thoughts of comparison that make you feel less than enough. This tweak alone can dramatically improve your experience. I have practiced this standard relentlessly for many years. To my great surprise, I found that stepping away from my curated and inspirational feed still had a noticeable positive effect upon my identity. Even if you surround yourself with inspiring people who all contribute encouraging content, there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. You can't spend all day observing a crowd of overachievers without measuring your worth at some point. <laughs> Giving myself the gift of some space allowed me time to reconnect with who I am without judging myself against the greatness of someone else. Stepping away for 31 days provided clarity I didn't know I was missing. It's like someone cleaned the fishbowl, or better yet, I climbed right out of the bowl itself. As I stand here now from the outside looking in, I see there is so much more the world has to offer on the other side of the glass. My identity isn't influenced by all the other fish, and I don't see myself in a distorted, convex reflection 
from the inside of the bowl. I invite you to seriously consider the impact social media plays upon your own identity. Do you ever feel less than enough while you scroll the feed? Do you ever compare your full context life with the tiny square snapshot moments of someone else? Do you ever criticize others or yourself and what you see there? Is all the time you spend there really necessary or is it optional? Think of what your life could be like with less media influence. How would it feel to be more present, to enjoy the people in front of you, to feel content with your own life, to live with less anxiety, to nurture buried habits or interests, to quiet the voice of comparison that stays on repeat even when the screens turn off. You really can upgrade your life with a few small boundaries. By small things, great things are brought to pass. Empowerment tool number six, social media boundaries. Here are my top tips for creating a social media experience that nurtures your true identity. Curate your feed. Unfollow anyone that triggers feelings that make you feel less than enough and that make you compare your life in unhealthy ways. This is certainly one of those, it's not you, it's me relationships. I have unfollowed plenty of remarkable people solely because I personally struggled to stay strong in my identity when I saw their posts. Delete social media apps from your phone. It's the greatest way to enforce moderate usage. Limit your use to desktop computers and spend the rest of your time with more presence. Keep phones out of the bedroom. Far too many people make social media the last thing they see before bed and the first thing they see when they wake up. There is nothing healthy about this. The time before sleep and just after waking up is sacred time. Your mind is even more impressionable in these moments. Not only do you miss the opportunity to receive personal revelation by filling these quiet moments with distraction, but also when you fall asleep with negative affirmations of comparison in your mind, they will play on repeat in your unconscious mind all night long, creating limiting beliefs. To wake up and repeat the experience again further affirms the negative and sets the tone for your entire day. Integrate a digital sunset. Set a time that phones and screens turn off for the day and stick to it, ideally at least one hour before bed. Commit to only posting in your true identity. Kindness, truth, integrity, empathy, and compassion are traits of your true nature. Refrain from posting or commenting out of anger, frustration, or offense. Even though your true identity is always within you, make sure that the trail you leave on the internet reflects who you really are, not the false identity of a fleeting moment. Opt out. There will be seasons when staying away is best. Whether it's a time to work on strengthening your identity or your focus, be okay with needing to take extended breaks as necessary. Use your intuition to know what you personally need for your life right now. Pay attention to when your body feels sick, stressed, anxious, tired, depressed, or any time your hormones are causing you to feel lower than normal. 
These are not the times to get on social media. Your vulnerability in these moments makes you more susceptible to dipping even further into an environment that so easily yields to comparison. Who is on your team? Comparison is the root of why we hate social media. Comparison breeds competition. When thoughts of comparison enter your mind, a subtle form of isolation occurs. It's you against someone else. There is no element of teamwork, only a question of who is better. There can only be one winner when life is a competition. Sometimes you win when you award yourself the upper hand against someone else. And sometimes you lose when you judge yourself as less than enough. When we learn to see other people without the labels or measurements that we attach in the comparing mind of the false identity, a new world opens up, revealing that we are all on the same team. This is a principle that I'm trying consistently to teach my eight-year-old son. Every afternoon, we have a piano lesson. Most musician parents opt out of teaching their own children since it can be challenging to the relationship. Despite this, I am committed and I daily wade through his unguarded emotions that he would likely hide from another teacher. Learning a new skill inevitably includes making a lot of mistakes, something he absolutely dreads. One afternoon, after I corrected his rhythm, he immediately collapsed in defeat, overcome with his weakness of not playing it perfectly all on his own. Buddy, I said to him encouragingly, we're a team. You play the song, and I tell you the good things you did, and also how to make it better. When you follow my correction, you become a better pianist. We both do our part. So I looked at him, flopped backwards on the piano bench, crying in defeat. I saw a younger version of myself in him. I recalled the many times I had made mistakes, not only on the piano, but also in life, and had collapsed with the mindset that my worth was dependent upon my performance. I shouldn't need help. I should be able to do this on my own. But we were not created to do life alone, and we didn't come here already knowing everything. Making mistakes is part of learning. Growth is part of learning. Teamwork is the only way any of us progress in anything. We need each other. You've probably heard the term self-taught before. Several years back, I read an article arguing that there is no such thing as self-taught anything. You aren't a self-taught musician or photographer or gardener or anything else for that matter. You may not have had formal lessons, but everyone learns from someone else. Maybe through a book, a YouTube video, talking to someone with experience, or lots and lots of research. We don't learn anything by ourselves. Even the simple life lessons that come to us as a form of inspiration still come from God. If no one is self-taught, it leads me to believe God designed it this way on purpose. As our Heavenly Father, He wants His children to get along. He wants us to help each other, to need each other, and to build a team. A team in which we can both coach as well as participate in our own growth and progress. If I were to ask you right now, who is on your team, who would you say? My team includes family, friends, favorite authors, teachers, podcasters, Jesus, prophets, the Holy Ghost, 
neighbors, and even my favorite farmer at the market that grows the vegetables I feed my family. The list is big and far more reaching than I have detailed here. When I think of everyone as part of my team, it changes how I feel toward others. I have more gratitude. I'm more open to correction. And I see opportunities for me to contribute to others' lives because if they are on my team, this means I am on their team as well. I can rejoice in their progress and achievements. I can celebrate when another person succeeds instead of feeling like his or her win makes me lose. We are all in this together. Your true identity sees the world as a team. Your false identity sees the world as a competition. The best indicator I have found for judging whether it is safe for me to be on social media is this simple perspective. In this moment, do I see the world as my team? Can I rejoice in others' successes? Can I graciously allow others to teach me how to grow and improve? If not, walk away, wait to get on social media. Your inner circle. Empowerment tool number seven, surround yourself with good influence. Your environment has a massive influence on how you perceive yourself. By and large, you get to choose who is in your circle of influence. Jim Rohn famously taught, we become the combined average of the five people we hang around with the most. In today's world, those five people can come from anywhere. The books you read, the shows you watch, the people you follow on social media, the friends you associate with and beyond. Who are you giving your attention to? Who do you spend the most time with? How do they influence your identity? Do they help you feed the good wolf inside or the bad wolf? If you find any of your five people to be toxic to your identity, I encourage you to create some appropriate boundaries, cut ties if possible, or limit the time you must spend with them. Choose your circle carefully. If you don't choose, someone else will choose for you. Surround yourself with people who encourage your growth and development, who impact your life in positive ways. If you want to be successful, hang around successful people. If you want to feel happy, hang around positive people. If you want to grow in a certain area, find a mentor. You can find mentors anywhere from a book, a class, a podcast, all the way to someone in your own neighborhood. Influence comes from time spent together. Make sure your top five people are the best people for you. Build your team. Journal questions. Number one, does your typical social media experience feed your false identity or your true identity. Number two, what boundaries can you implement to create a better media experience? Three, do you typically see social media as your team or your competition? Four, who are the top five people you spend time with? Do they influence you for the better or worse? How? Five, are there any other people who you would like to spend more time with? Who are they? I hope you enjoyed chapter eight, living in the world of social media and comparison from my book, Living in Your True Identity, Discover, Embrace, and Develop Your Own Divine Nature. 
Creating some clear boundaries for myself around social media has been a massive influence on my own identity. Still to this day, I haven't gone back to social media and I'm happy to report that my life didn't end. (laughs) In fact, it got better as did my business. Do you listen to this book and love what you hear and wonder where to start? Do you wonder how to actively practice these ideas in your own life? I invite you to take my Christian Meditation 40-Day Challenge course. Meditation is my most important practice of the day and my number one way to help me live in my true self. This one habit has changed my life. It's small and simple, but reaps incredible rewards. But the key is consistency. That's why I love that this is a 40-day challenge. The challenge is to do it for 40 consecutive days. Starting a new habit and even more so being consistent with it can be tricky. This is why I offer every student a free buddy pass, allowing you to handpick your own friend or family member to take the course with you. You get your own accountability partner and you both do the challenge together. Two people start a new empowering practice instead of just one. If this is calling out to you, I invite you to register at the link in the show notes or find it on my website at brooksnow.com. You can do this. You are worthy. You are whole. I'm cheering you on. 